Excess makes the heart grow fonder. Hey, what's up, guys? Michael G. Stone here, kicking it. We're about to play you some music in a moment. I hope you guys are doing good. I'm going to try to get it real quick. See if I can grab it. So there it is. And here you go. This is a, a Toboki Beaver. Don't light my fire. They're a Japanese band. They're pretty cool. Check it out. So that was Don't Light My Fire by uh, Taboki. All that good stuff there. There's Japanese. Well, let's go ahead and pause this part and get out of here. So we'll go to our, our next one. Uh, let me check real quick. I'll try to get out of here. Go into this real quick. Grab me this. Oh, there we go. Let me try to get this one. Hold on, guys. I'm almost, almost done. Just got to get some stuff real quick. Or a fake book. I gotta go to fake book real quick. 
There we go. I should have thought about this earlier, but I wasn't thinking straight. So uh, here we are. Uh, think. Uh, go down to the Brainwash Radio website because I was about to play you guys a, um, an artist from uh, China. Uh, it's kind of like a trip hop type deal going on. It's really cool. So let me try to get to it real quick. Sorry, I'm taking so long. I hope you guys are uh, kicking back during the coronavirus. Not going out as much. I hope not going out as much. Hopefully not. Okay, here we go. We got this. All right. So here we are. Check it out.
right. So that was Yuri. She's uh, from China. She loves it. Loves creating some really good music like that. And uh, here we go. Up next, Coil. Amethyst Deceivers. Brainwash Radio, baby. What's up? Back in black.
Hey, what's up, guys? It's Michael G. Stone, Brainwash Radio, Hollywood, baby. So that's all we have. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, expect uh, more in the near future. And uh, if you guys can, uh, donate. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. So we could keep this uh, podcast going for uh, months and months and months to come. That would be great. So, uh, it's Michael G. Stone signing out. Brainwash Radio, baby. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, Facebook uh, forward slash Brainwashed Radio. Cheers.
This is your like cheese case going. Oh, what's up? Brainwash Radio Monday. What's up, guys? It's Michael G. Stone hanging out. Today we got some special for you. We got ourselves an interview with the Godfather. And I do mean the Godfather. And I do mean the Godfather. <clears throat> Had to clear my throat for that one. The Godfather of Sting Pump, baby. Let's get on with some music before we get it on later in the episode. So stay tuned for the Godfather of Steampunk, baby. Brainwash Radio. <laughs>
outstanding apps every day, building a virtual world. The moment we've been waiting for is finally here. The future is now. Tron, decentralize the web.
Start with uh, before you uh, began, or like your youth, or it's up to you where you want to begin. Well, my youth was well and interesting, but I worked in TV shops and things like that to begin radio. I started out working on radios in the basement of the house in LA, and then pretty soon I moved around the corner and kind of just bummed around at a radio shop there, and eventually I started fixing radios. Well, I, that guy finally, he was an old man at the time, so uh, there's another guy come in down the street that was, that was in the beginning of black and white TV. So uh, I wound up fixing uh, black and white TVs. I, I had a couple in my room there. Black and white, and then later a color. So I started fixing those. So I worked in that for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I was there, then the uh, guy named Frank, who was doing that on the side, but he's also, uh, I think his name was Frank Hannesack, but on the side, he was working for Hughes Aircraft in Culver City, and they were really desperate for people. So I went out and applied and got a job there and worked for Hughes Aircraft in Culver City and uh, worked in Radar System Group. This is back in the vacuum tube days. And then eventually it went to the... Uh, over to the missile systems where we were building components and materials for the uh, missile systems. And uh, we work on the roof. Uh, uh, calibrating missile systems as the planes took off and landed at the uh, runway there at the aircraft company. And uh, I'd get parts down the hall from the parts and tools, tool and parts store and uh, come over and build uh, systems with them. And one day there's a gentleman, old black coat, felt hat and all, come down and I didn't pay a lot of attention to him, come down, went in the door to my lab and sitting there at the chair talking to my, the guy's my boss. Mm -hmm guy named McQuaid, and uh, I asked him, he said, that's Mr. Hughes. So that was my only contact with Mr. Hughes. I, while I was there, I had, had um, I opened up an account with a credit union, which I still have today. Connect, it used to be Hughes Aircraft Employees Credit Union. That was down near the personnel office. So I'd go through the old build, hangar building the, where they made the spruce goose and the helicopters and all. And I'd go down there and do business for the credit union. 
in the cafeteria, a nice cafeteria. Little to know that I didn't know, but my father worked in an adjacent building at the time, and I hadn't seen him in years. He was a machinist and mechanical engineer, and he was working for the used tool company division. I only found this out much later on. Had I known, I'd gone in and, and investigated it, but that's kind of an interesting spin off. Anyway, after a while, that job kind of ran out of gas, and I left there, and uh, I kind of hit a few other jobs. Uh, I wound up working at Aerojet, I went to Aerojet to work there. They had a place up in Glendale, which subsequently moved to uh, El Monte. So I went to work for them, and then they moved to El Monte. So I worked for them for about 15 years. And I met some interesting people. One guy was from... Uh, hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Brainwash Radio. We're going to take a quick uh, commercial break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. There's plenty more from the master godfather of steampunk baby brainwash radio. Let's do it. John, a new world. What does a virtual civilization of the future look like? It is decentralized, independent, self-governed, equal, cooperative. It has high performance. The Tron ecosystem wins at speed. Each Tron data unit can evolve and become part of the ecosystem. It is democratic. Every member of the Tron community can vote for their leader of choice to govern the ecosystem. Global developers around the world create outstanding apps every day, building a virtual world. The moment we've been waiting for is finally here. The future is now. Tron, decentralize the web. All right, let's get back with the Godfather of Steampunk, Brainwash Radio, baby. You heard it here first. Massachusetts, sir. Back there, he was a, actually, he was from New York, but a guy named Herb. But I uh, built equipment from them for microwave uh, detectors for uh, uh, satellites and things of this sort. So I built that kind of stuff. It all seemed to work pretty good. Radiance, multi-channel satellite receivers. After a while, that thing kind of ran out of gas. I went out to temporarily, had to find some work. So I went out to uh, a huge operation that spun off of there. They closed subsequently out in uh, Van Nuys, and then I wound up down at uh, Hughes Aircraft Company. Uh, it was on Sepulveda Boulevard, but it was Hughes Space and Com. And Space and Com was set up to uh, uh, build the Earth stations for the satellites. They were already making the satellites. And then. What year was that about? Oh, I was in the 70s. So Benson Com was set up to uh, 
um, build the earth stations for the satellites. The realm was set up to uh, uh, build the earth stations for the satellites. They were already making the satellites. So I built that kind of stuff. It all seemed to work pretty good. Greatest multi-channel satellite receivers. After a while, that thing kind of ran out of gas. I went out to temporary, had to find some work, so I went out to uh, a little operation that spun off of there. What they closed subsequently out in uh, Van Nuys. And then I wound up down at Hughes uh, Aircraft Company. Uh, it was on Sepulveda Boulevard, but it was here Space and Com. And Space and Com was set up to uh, uh, build the earth stations for the satellites. They were already making the satellites. Right. And then... What year was that about? Oh, I don't know. It was in the 70s. 70s, nice. And satellite receivers. After a while, I went out to temporarily had to find some work, so I went out to uh, a huge operation that spun off of there, what they closed subsequently out in uh, Van Nuys. And then I wound up down at Hughes uh, Aircraft Company. Uh, it was on Sepulveda Boulevard. But it was here, Space and Com. And Space and Com was set up to uh, uh, build the Earth stations for the satellites. They were already making the satellites. And then, what year was that about? Oh, I was in the 70s. Then they decided to go into the business of uh, TV. That was a boat with black TV. So we built all the racks and equipment uh, which went into the uh, beginning of direct TV where they would use those and the stations all spread out all over for transmitting and communicating back and forth with the satellites. So I worked for them for a short time. I don't know, there's some other problems come up. I think we, I pretty well closed that job out. Oh, I know, we had a house in L.A. and we had to get out of that house. So, I found that I had to move up to Oregon. So I moved up to the town of Salem, Oregon. Got out of there. And uh, I worked in it. TV store up there to begin with called Richie's TV in Salem, Oregon for a while until I ran out of TVs to fix. And then I, I moved to several other companies. One was Floating Point Systems, which was a, a subsidiary of Tektronics and built uh, processor arrays and they kind of got killed when Intel moved in. So I had I went to a company called Flight Dynamics, which was in Beaverton. Uh, and I worked for Flight Dynamics for 
Until I come back down here, we had to come back down here because her parents were getting uh, pretty uh, up in age and sick. So I, we had to move back to California. So that was, uh, we moved down here and we stayed in very, wound up staying in a house over here, Lakeview. And then I had to go in and stay in the house, her house in LA and take care of them until uh, they could, they wound up, <clears throat> I worked in this place fixing equipment, EKG equipment, and making the rounds of, of uh, all various facilities from Catalina Island to Bakersfield to all kinds of places all over. That was before the days of the EKGs that they had in the house, so I worked on that. Then, uh, they moved to their house up in Lake Arrowhead. And uh, so I stayed in the L.A. house for a while and worked in there. I wound up getting a job up in the, uh, for the Postal Service. One of the guys said, why don't you go apply there hurting for people? So I wound up going up to Van Nuys and applied for work and wound up. Uh, working for the Postal Service until I retired. Nice. But started out fixing letter sorting machines and that type of equipment, which I did up until I retired. Just, just the last couple of my, last year or two. Oh, wow. So that's what went on with my employment activities. There was a lot of other interesting little gotchas here and there. Yeah. And then at the, the train place in uh, Paris? Oh, I used to come down here. Somehow, uh, I got into the streetcar business, and uh, I think it was somebody tipped me off. So we came down to Paris. Well, Paris at that time was, there was nothing out here. This is open right. potato fields. Right, right. All the way from, from Riverside all the way down to, town of Paris and they had over there they had uh, plants for processing uh, potatoes and I used to go to the, the restaurants and stuff in Paris and go down to where the museum was well the museum wasn't much it was just some streetcars a lot of them were brought in there sitting up on blocks so Later on, I got uh, into uh, um, I just come down there just to do stuff. Then they got offered some equipment from uh, Sacramento Northern, a converter for converting electricity. So we brought. I went and took my old green truck and a bunch of other stuff and drove to Sacramento and brought down all those uh, the components relevant to uh, that. I worked with a guy named Dwight Benton Mink. Mink was at that time on the Paris Progress newspaper. He had a house, him and Mame Mink had a house uh, not too far removed from the museum. So 
anyway, we went up to Sacramento and brought all these components down in boxes. Now, Mimic had an old garage. used to be a gas station garage building there that was used for... Uh, he had old Model A's and all kinds of stuff in there. I needed a home for this rotary converter. So I took over the garage building. He got all of his stuff that had to get moved out. I happened to be in a bookstore one time and found a whole library of books of the 1920s of the AIEE. And they had a whole lot of information and detail. And I got all the paperwork to build, put this rotary converter together. So I sit in there and mapped that all out, figured out how I was going to run the conduit and run the lines, the power lines running from the transformers and switch gear over to the converter and out to the high voltage switching pad, which is in the other end of the building, which we had to enclose and, and uh, then there was a room out there on the edge where that was where they uh, would drive cars through. But uh, it was this tape had some posts in there, so we had to put a fence up around there to put in uh, the resistor banks for current limiting for the machine. But little by little, gradually, I got the thing together. And one night, they, they were running power from Edison, had some transformers put on a pole and I had to design all of that stuff. Uh, and the meter box, all of it's still there. The meter box is there. And uh, the power went down and through the meter box, I built the pot heads and pot filled them with material and ran it all the lines overhead. Warren Buchanan and the line, pole line, hot shots over there, we all run the power lines overhead. and. Some of them fanned out to shops and, and other parts of the building, but primarily went to the substation. So it went to a pothead on the pole and down and come back up in the substation and then got, I had to change the taps in the transformer to match the voltage on there. So I put in the high voltage switch gear and the circuit breakers and contactors and there was a little transformer I had to put in there to run the control circuits. It ran off a 2400 volt and dropped it down to 12208. So all the coils and all the relays and everything and the controller were all uh, 220. So I ran all the wiring to those. And uh, one day after many hours of work and I went over all the drawings and everything, I went through it and went through it and went through it. So I had a switch on the outside of the building. So I said, you know, I said, I'm going to push this green button. And I pushed the green button. And by all means, the machine came up and it had 600 volt lighting and 600 volts on all the overhead wire. And so they all went nuts and went out playing streetcar. <laughs> so they built the loop, loop track out there, and then they, they didn't have the mainline tracks, so they built, later on they started developing the mainline track, 
and maybe he built the bookstore and uh, the shops and all, buildings and all of that. That came afterward. So that's my primary, my investment in the railroad museum. I had to fix it. <clears throat> they got a new solid state sub over there. It's near the old Evan Middleton's car barns and near the red, uh, uh, what's his name, barns where the Emma Nevada and all that are in. But there's a substation over there, concrete block thing that Ruffler and them built. And it has, they got a substation, which was a rectifier substation, came out of the underground tunnels and mines up here in uh, Colton, where they had, they used to have rock quarries and, and all that, and they'd take these electric trucks down in the mines and bring out, because they couldn't run diesel down there, they'd bring out the uh, rock and ore out of the mines, and they had to have 600 volt DC. So I modified those to be able to run the streetcars over there. Super steam pump. And, uh, I had to rebuild the high-speed, sort of the high-voltage circuit breaker. It was a real mess. It wouldn't stay latched and wouldn't do this and wouldn't do that. Finally, they got it. They got it ripped into shape. And then I had problems. Then. They originally had vacuum tube rectifiers, what they called ignitrons. And those were long taken out. And they had some haywire half-assed solid-state rectifiers. Well, luck be with it, I found a, a bunch of catalogs that listed the new generation of solid-state rectifiers. So I got the management to buy all these rectifiers, so I put those in there and uh, hooked them all up, and voila, it worked fine, because the other ones, they were blowing up right and left. So I got that. Now, those were two wires, and I'll put it out as two wires. One of the two wires, I did not have to have a little switch here attached. So it went directly out into the rail. The other high-voltage, 600-volt DC had disconnection and uh, all on it. So that went out to the overhead. They still use that a lot today. I think most of the team, they use that. So it provides power to run the streetcars and the train the streetcars that are on the uh, line running into Paris so we built that line all the way into Paris they used to take the but that was never the Paris line was never narrow gauge it was always standard gauge it was only the loop it was uh, standard gauge and narrow gauge they run the uh, Old H boards and the uh, the uh, oh some of the uh, Hollywood cars and stuff like the birdies and all that on that loop. Right. Where was your personality back then? Was it like stubborn, like like leave me alone, let me do it type of? No, not really. I was kind of passive. I was kind of passive, but I needed people's help, so I had to do the best I could to get through that. No, I was rather easy going. I was living in LA at the time, so it was very difficult to drive all the way from LA after all the time. So I had to come out here when I could. And I was 
dealing with my mother's issues. And then later on, everything was up and running time. And I had to take off the organ. So I couldn't go down here for a long time. That was my feeling of the
So I was hiking up in Griffith Park there, and I happened to see her, and I wanted to talk to her. So awesome. I talked to her. So here I am 50 years later. Yeah, that's awesome. So we met, and, and uh, after a while, we went and decided to get married. So we got married at St. James Episcopal Church up on Wiltshire Boulevard. That's nice. And uh, well, up there, we went to all the fancy restaurants on Wiltshire Boulevard. And I used to go to the I used to go to the uh, restaurant, the drive-in restaurant, which was on Wilshire and Western. It's no doubt there anymore. It's high-rise office building. And I, but we went to, I, I worked near the little side issues. I used to ride the cars down in, on Venice Boulevard. So those were the red cars going to Long Beach when my father would go down there to work on the the uh, coin op stuff he had down on the pier at Long Beach. I ride the merry go round. That's an aside issue. But on later in time on Wilshire Boulevard, we'd go in the Brown Derby, and the, I don't think we went in Perinos, but we went in several of the fancy restaurants. And, oh, I had some calls I had to make in the Ambassador Hotel and all. Mm. Back when the Bastard Hotel was going, uh -huh. which is not going anymore. Mm. So that was my experience with that. Mm. And then we were living there, as I say, in L.A. I was living in the old house. My, my wife and I moved up to Van Nuys, and that, did, that property didn't work out. So we had to move back down to her mother's. So we stayed there, took care of them. And then finally, I had to sell the house in L.A. and we moved to Oregon. Mm. Moved to Salem, Oregon, and now I work for Richie TV and for oh. Flight Dynamics and, oh, Floating Point Systems. And another place I worked with, short time was up in Seattle, North End, North End Collators. North End made... Uh, stuff for collating book pages. Mm -hmm. So it was a kind of a crude Rubberg memory system, which uh, they kept track of all the pages and the books. So as you, that went through there, it would assemble all the pages and books. Mm -hmm. And then they'd take them out and bind them, and what have you, cut them, cut them and shape them, yeah, put yeah. on a binding. And right. nice. But that's what Northland did. Fine. I didn't know work in Seattle too was. I wasn't real thrilled about that. We were out there in a dock. The building was out on the dock, which was, uh, I had to go out there and you could stare down the ocean as you walked up platform to get into the building and see all of all seawater coming, messing around under there. Mm -hmm. But that was near a ramp where they would load the ferry boats to go over to the Boeing plant over there. So I watched the ferry boats load in the morning the cars and they go take people over to the Boeing facility. Sure. Then finally I figured, hell, I don't want to try and live out of a hole up here in Seattle, so I moved back down. Nice. 
that's all for now. So, well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Okay. I don't know how much good that's going to be. Either. Oh, it's great. It's perfect. Thank you.